quick shout out from our sponsor, Share ID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with Share ID. Share ID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With Share ID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. You can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ShareID to see just how easy it was to get it set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each and every week I get to talk with and learn from enthusiastic guests, freelancers, agency folks, in-house marketers, and founders, all in an effort to help you bootstrap your D2C brand profitably. We got two episodes a week, which will have you staying up to date on the ever-changing industry and learning fundamental concepts and tactics to apply to your brand. Enjoy the show. This is e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Twice a week, I get to speak with guests to share tactical and practical information about how to grow your bootstrap D2C brand profitably. Today's episode is with a media buyer turned D2C operator, a family man, a tweeter of D2C growth and ops creator of high-quality free resources like the DTC brand megasheet, paid media changelog, project manager template, and outsourced photography tracker. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the COO at Range Leather, Tim Ayton. Welcome to the show, man. Dude, thanks for having me. What an intro. That was the craziest, best intro I've ever heard from myself. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having an interesting and some stuff for me to like talk about. Uh you got a little website, a bio, you've done stuff. So it's easy to put together. I tried really hard not to put hockey, uh, real selling snipe boys in there. Uh, from, <laughs> I saw that, uh, was that, is that like, do you play, did you used to play hockey? Do you still play hockey? Do you just like watching it? Yeah, no, I grew up playing hockey. I've been playing hockey since I was four. Um, wow. and which is unconventional because I grew up in California. So it's yeah. kind of a weird sport, but I took like, I, I kind of went into retirement a couple of years ago and then, uh, moving back to Laramie here, uh, one of my buddies got, was, he's from Canada and he was like, dude, is there any skates? And I was like, I don't know, but if you find one, let me know. And he did. So I'm, I'm coming out of retirement this year actually, um, which has been really exciting, but yeah, hockey's been a pretty decent chunk of my life for sure. So Sweet. it's justified. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I almost included that I'm not a hockey guy at all. Will Will Sully Snipe Boys is like uh, the show Letterkenny. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Letter yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, no further explanation needed. Okay, <laughs> go uh, watch it, audience. Yeah, that's all. You absolutely incredible. Ten seasons. Uh, it's amazing. So, Tim, you've been working. Uh, agency side, most of your career, but recently you crossed the one-year mark at range. What's it like been in-house versus working with uh, a bunch of clients all at the same time? Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's been fun. There's there's like pluses and minuses um, to both, but I think like right out of the gate is the stress level just off the table. Just no zero stress. Hot like hundred percent, hundred and ten percent stress to zero percent stress, um, which is amazing. I think that mostly is related to. Um, just having the one brand and knowing the brand so deeply and knowing what fires are actually immediate fires and what can wait. And, um, you know, like for example, with range, it's like our leather supply, like material, um, time, it takes forever to get leather. And so I can only sell so much. So I'm not pressed for making ads work because we're, you know, sustainable on our MER side. So like things like that make it less stressful. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to spend the next week, you know, on this one project the whole week. So that's been cool. But the downside of, of being one brand is just uh, the connection to the outside world and what's working and just getting it to network and talk to a bunch of really interesting people all the time. So I try to keep that up. Um, independently anyways now just to to stay relevant and learn continue to learn from others but um yeah i think i think just the the stress alone is has been great at least for this past year so we'll see if that grows (laughs) again but for now it's good yes yes so instead of you're going on one brand going deep uh, able to touch more pieces of the puzzle versus just the ad account You've worked across operations, product, uh, fulfillment, shipping, packing. Uh, you've you've touched a lot of stuff compared to just media buying, and so that's a big difference. So I like how you said you have to stay up to date and you know stay connected with people. Uh, you don't have access to four, six, twelve, thirty ad accounts, however many the agency has. All these other media buyers on your team, you're like oh, I have this thing, or you want to jam on this, or what do you think about this? You're just kind of on an island. So it's a, it's a big difference. So pros and cons for sure. So like I mentioned, you've touched more pieces of the puzzle. Um, talk to me about something that's outside the ad account that like has helped your the brand grow either in terms of efficiency or volume of revenue. Uh, you, I know you'd mentioned... Uh, optimizing like shipping and packing stuff. So I would love to get into that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. That's been an interesting ad for me. Cause I, when I first jumped on range, it was pretty much a CMO role with just make all the marketing work. But, and then as I've, um, as the team grow has grown and I've kind of moved into other things, uh, like I took over the shipping team, which has been super, cause we do all the pick pack ship here. We have stock here. Everything's here. No 3PLs, no nothing. Like they're right on the other side of this wall is the shipping team. <laughs> so uh, that's been fun to to dig into and just like the nitty gritty of ship station and like uh, what you're talking about, kind of an example of like um, cutting down cogs. So I roll, I roll shipping costs into my cogs and then I use cogs by product or product line in my marketing. So I'm... I'm cross-referencing even like Facebook campaigns against the cogs of that particular product line to know like really dialed in CAC and fit and, and make sure there's enough margin there um, or not for scaling purposes. But 
um, what's cool is like, I can, you know, one thing I was working on with the shipping team was talking with them. Okay. What are we doing now? What's our process now? What does it look like? What do you think would work better? Because you guys have been shipping for two, like this team has been here for like a year and a half together and they're like, oh, we should do X, Y, Z. And I was able to kind of step one, implement a way to track their time. So time per, I call it time per unit, but it's time per package essentially. So track that for a month and then implement their ideas to make it quicker and then measure it and, uh, and go from there. And what was cool was the ideas that they had that I was able to help kind of implement, um, from a process standpoint and automate with like the, the levers that I have, it, it literally cut our shipping time in half with like their, their time got cut in half, which saves us like hundreds of dollars an hour on shipping time, which I can roll back into. If I wanted to, I could take that cost and kind of extrapolate it backwards into uh, marketing costs or the cog side of things and buy some more CAC space. So it's been like something you never think about on, oh, how could we ship this package quicker? How could we do twice as many? Or how can we make the pick um, part of the shipping flow twice as fast? Like that has a huge, that can have a huge, for at least for us where it's all integrated, can have a huge impact on the rest of it and unlock, you know, like I, I made our MER go from like a, a 1.8 to a 2.2 just by working on shipping and not changing anything about ads. Like the ads were the same. So just got more efficient on the backside. So it's, uh, that's been really fun to dig into different things like that. Yeah. And then that's not, you would have uh, never had gotten or even thought of or even had a second to breathe and think about on the agency side of, oh, client, yeah, they're yelling at me to make the ad account better. Uh, let me just, oh, let me change my attribution window. Let me try this new audience. Uh, let me rearrange the image, the shitty image creative that they gave me for the eighth time and hack away in the ad account. You're like, Send these are act 50 more briefs for UGC. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right, right. This is like a, like you said, 1.8 to 2.2, that 0.4, and that doesn't like go away. That's like you did it, you tracked it, it you implemented it, and that's there. It is not like that. There's no algorithm to mess up your shipping, uh, that chain, that lever, right? So that's an actual like lever to pull actually useful use of time and resources um, versus hacking away in the ad account. Um, yeah. So. The other thing I'll say too is uh, it was fun from a culture standpoint because this is another thing that you don't think about if you're like just looking at that ads manager all day is like, so I have my shipping team and not only were they twice as fast, they were twice as happy working together because they were like, one, like if there was one person, if they were working independently at the same time, like with two workstations, they weren't as fast and they were both grumpy and didn't like it. And I was like, why, why do you not like your job? And they're like, I don't get to talk to anybody or do anything with anyone. And it's like, oh, well, why don't we just work together? So not only did it, it help on the numbers side, but they're like, they love shipping together now. And it's like the vibe of the entire department is different and excited and like people from other departments have noticed. And so that's really fun for me. Cause it's like, yeah, like I love the numbers. I love optimizing that side of things, but it's really fun to have like impact in 
actual people's lives day to day. Like this is their job and they now like it and they didn't used to like it. That's really fun for me. That is uh, incredible. That is unmeasurable. There's no KPI besides vibes uh, that we could associate with that change. But that's so cool, dude. I love to hear that. And I think uh, as we try to keep, we're selling online. We're not meeting these people in person um, most of the time. I know Range has retail as well. So you're like, you have the store, you have your little office, you have the the, the backspace and all that stuff. But most of these D2C brands sell online. We don't get to meet every single customer in person. We see these numbers. We, oh, this average order value, this order number, this like, oh, this net profit from this person. We like really lose the human element of a lot of this stuff. And so you just mentioning that of increasing their happiness and they get to talk and they like their job. It's, it's just really cool and really neat to hear. And I think um, I need, I want to, now that I'm hearing that, want to do better and need to keep that in mind moving forward uh, with anyone I interact with, uh, with customers or people on my, uh, my team at Stumptown. So uh, optimize for vibes, not just uh, MER. <laughs> So the retail really side too is interesting because, yeah. uh, there's been like, so we have a retail store and so I'm also technically like a store manager where like, there's been scenarios where they're my crafters who are the cashiers essentially, but they like, if, if there's a scenario where they went to lunch or something and I'm here, there's just ended up scenarios where I was the only one in the shop. And so I'm like working retail like in the front and that was such a crazy because i had worked you know previous retail jobs but it's just so crazy to go from like looking at my shopify dashboard my triple wheel my facebook my everything and then like literally standing in the front of the store and actual people coming through the doors and like picking up the stuff and asking questions and like talking to an another human face to face about the product <laughs> no website no nothing I, it was actually really cool. Like it, uh, I, I mix that in occasionally now just for the sake of kind of re reinvigorating the energy toward the brand and like learning how to communicate brand better online to new people it, and like just talking to customers and asking them questions about what they think about things in the store can, I can get a lot of kind of actionable little tidbits to, to change site copy or make an ad or just from like literally talking to another person face to face, which is, was wild to me when I first got here. Cause it, you know, being remote and being an ad buyer forever, you just never, you never think about that. And it's like such an unlock. I think if you have the availability to do that, man. Yeah. I, a lot of, uh, I had that recent experience with Stumptown. I visited Portland and saw the mattress store and saw the uh, our re- our in person team like talk to customers and talk about the mattresses and I'm like, holy shit! First of all, there's so much that you need to know about mattresses. There's so many like you know different things. I was like, I just sleep on this thing. Like I don't know. Uh, so it was really cool to like. They're so smart. Um, it was really cool to talk to them and hear from them too. So I'm, I'm with you on that, and I love how. Yeah, even like, oh, I'm going to work a couple hours on Friday uh, at retail, like once or twice a month and make sure I'm like, you know, seeing how people interact with our products or what questions they're asking. I think that's really neat. And I think that just really helps tie in 
um, tie it all together. So is there any noticeable changes from the buying behavior of retail versus online in terms of like products that people typically go for or how much they buy? Or is it relatively similar from your experience? Um, it's, uh, it, yeah, I'd say it's, they, t- the people in store retail tends to spend more because they, at, le- at least for leather, like you can pick it up and feel it and smell it and like play with it. And kind of like, I think that, um, that helps. You're, you're also, when you come into range, like it's Krispy Kreme style, like you're looking at the products, like we have the crafters out there. So you're, you come in, you look at all the products first and you look past the products and there's the people making the stuff. So I think there's, that also does a lot for sales and like, um, yeah, you can talk to the crafter, you can get suggestions like, I need a new wallet. I like, these are great. Which one do I get? They're kind of like, that kind of thing. And in store is fun because we have products that we don't um, list online. Like the, the SKUs are the same, but the um, colorways, we'll do like custom colorways in store. If we have like some crazy leather that we got in as a sample, we'll like make a bag out of it, like one of a kind and it'll be in there. So that's kind of fun too. Um, but yeah, there's definitely more, uh, there's more, personal connection obviously in the store which i think adds to the aov so yeah so they're they're the crafters are literally sitting there making the products and like putting it together and i could see so it's like like you said krispy kreme or like a pizzeria where you like see them actually making the pizza right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's all like we make it all here and like hats are done upstairs, leather goods are downstairs, like they're hand stitching stuff together. I mean, it's crazy what they do. I, I can't make anything. I make, I'm the nerd. I'm the one nerd, but they are so good at their craft. And it's really, it's cool to see, to watch and just be like, this is, they're making these things with their hands, with these tools I've never seen. And, um, and I think that, I mean, for customers, obviously that hits home too. Yeah. So have you been able to capture and channel that crafting experience in person to online at all? Is there like pictures or videos of the crafters that you've like used on the website or ads or emails or anything? Yeah. So that's, that's been a big focus of mine in the last, you know, half a year, at least. Um, We did have our, my, my photographer that I outsourced to, we brought her into town to shoot the shop. So most of the, um, like the site images and stuff for our, our, our shop and everything. And then I just brought on a videographer locally, um, in the last like three months and we're starting to shoot, um, meet the crafters. So I'm, I've got that on YouTube. I'm, I'm figuring out how to roll that out for like social and, and different things. And, um, but so we're doing more of that more personal aspect, but the, definitely, I need more. And there's a lot of, a lot of the nuances to leather and to the brand itself need to be explained because for the most part, we've been pretty DR about language and messaging across the site, across ads, which is great. It's worked, but there needs to be more like, like I said, explanation about like what's, what's full grain leather. We say that everywhere. I like how, how can I explain what that means to people because that doesn't mean anything to the, to the regular consumer, you know, stuff like that. Um, 
and then yeah, continuing to push like the handmade, like people, there's people here that you could come see and talk to if you wanted to. If you came all the way out to Laramie, you could talk to this crafter who's going to make your stuff. How do we push that further uh, on the site and in our marketing? That's definitely like work in progress, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, immediately came to mind. I'm just spitballing here, man. And feel free to be like, that's dumb. I don't have the resources. <laughs> it's a great but, idea. Uh, but, I, I, I want to implement. <laughs> no, but like, uh, like just like live stream and just like Q&A and just have it like a link on the site. And like, hey, talk to our crafters. Like ask them questions or mm, watch them make the wallet that you're going to buy. Like not the exact one maybe. Um, but oh yeah, I'm... Um, um, the SKU is the one, the current one they're making. Mm-hmm. And then like track the, pr- like, little, you know, like, I don't know if you know, but Domino's has like the pizza tracker. It's like mm-hmm. you order the pizza and then like, oh, the, like John is putting together like the ingredients and then it's in the oven and then it's being, you know, you could do that and like try to have like a live stream, like element component to it and like a little more interaction uh, That'd be I don't sweet. Know, TikTok or YouTube or different. I know stuff like I need that. to do more like <laughs> satisfying style TikToks because like when you watch them like hand stitch or something or burnish, it's just so like it's it's exactly in that category. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely that, great ideas. Yeah, right, no, that's making a list. <laughs> making a list, checking it twice. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's just immediately where my mind came to. I on my TikTok feed, I've seen. Um, one specifically, it's like, oh, uh, you get 10% off if we can pack your order. Or or it's either 10% off if we pack your order live and use it as content. Or pay $10 more and we'll like show you your order being packed. And it's like this old video game store where they have like retro consoles and games and controllers and stuff. And um, you're like, hey, cool. like, so-and-so, here's your order. They tag them and then like they go like pick up each item, put it in the box, pack like people love that stuff so i'm just trying to figure out yeah that's sure true there's... too do yeah. uh do it on the shipping side too yep Ex- like packing you know the whole the whole thing like pulling from because we have all our bins with just like rows of earrings and like all the different watch bands and stuff and that could be cool too just to like pull out of the bin put it in our we have really good packaging we spend a lot of time on the packaging design so that would be, it'd be cool to highlight that too and those are great ideas yeah well um yeah, you're welcome. I guess uh, Hit me with I don't the know. Consulting like, <laughs> fee after the show. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, make sure. Uh, just uh, I'll send the invoice. Just uh, send the check. Um, so clearly, you're you're shipping. You're in retail. You're online. You're a website ads, email. Your hands in a lot of stuff. How do you, as the COO and essentially CMO, it seems like, how do you think about goal setting um, for the brand? uh as a whole and then for you like how do you start to plan out things ahead of time how do you prioritize things let's 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 get into that a little bit more a quick reminder from our sponsor share id find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage speak directly to veterans students teachers first responders and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds during the purchase process. Go to shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when it comes to goals, 
Um, like I said, part of the challenge with goal with like, oh, we want to hit this rev is like, we don't actually know if we're going to have enough like leather in house to hit that number. So it's hard to, it's hard to go off of something like that. But, um, I do have goals for specific areas. So like I was saying with shipping, it's like, I have a time per unit goal. Uh, like, so they, they're tracked against time and it's like, we're, we're looking at that very closely. I'm looking at on the marketing side, obviously like MER and CAC, like keeping those in line. Cause if we can't, if I'm limited on scale, then it's all about profitability. So then I'm measuring profitability kind of a thing. Um, and yeah, so I think it just depends on like, you know, you can, you can break that down even further with like, what's the expectation Facebook, what's the expectation Google, any other channels, what, um, percentage of rev am I trying to hit via email, SMS, like all those, you know, you can have, I kind of go off of those numbers, like percentages or profitability numbers rather than revenue numbers to try yep. to hit in terms of goals. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of like project management, that's that's been um, probably the biggest challenge since coming in is just there's so much to work on that I could work on that would move the needle, and then it's it all comes down to prioritization. Well, I would say documentation first, like write everything down, put everything somewhere um, so that it's not just like notes all over the place. Uh, so I do I did build kind of this uh notion system os if you will for myself just to manage projects and then um it just comes down to prioritization what that looks like for me is i have like i kind of have three buckets that i put myself into which is marketing and then website which is like merchandising more and then ops and Typically, I try to have only one main project open for each of those at a time. So, and then I have, so and then I have uh, in the morning, kind of first half of my day is like recurring everyday things I got to do that support tickets, helping shipping fires, ad buying, because I still do a lot of the execution work myself. Yep. So that's like execution work in the morning and then project work after lunch. Um, and that's one of those three projects or, a couple of those. And I like to have a, I like to have one in each cause I like to be able to jump around. I get really, if I just get stuck and I can't, if I'm spinning my wheels, I stop and I like go take a walk and then I come back and I pick a different bucket and go from there. So that's kind of, yeah. and then it just comes down to prioritization in the inside of those. So like making sure I'm doing the best, you know, highest leverage project in marketing site ops at any time. Um, that's kind of how it's been so far. It's worked so far. We'll see what happens now that Q4, you know, we're in BFCM season. So this is, this is a true test now. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a true test. So two, two things I want to uh, touch on, uh, after what you just said. So the first one being more on the product and supply side. So, uh, if you want to, if you can talk more about this, like you, you get your leather from your suppliers. It takes a ton of time like to get to get to you and you're not sure what actual specific pieces or kinds or specifics of each of each batch you get in so then once it comes in then you're able to determine what SKUs are made is that right yeah yeah so like we'll you know we'll order 
<laughs> we'll order like hundreds of thousands of dollars of leather in an order. And it's supposed to take three, maybe six months, they say. Um, but it ends up being nine months to a year. And, but within that, like to get the whole thing, but within that, like nine months, we have, I don't know how many, like, let's say 10 different leathers that we're ordering, like, cause there's different sizes, different, uh, tannages, different colors, all that stuff. So, uh, they, they will send whatever they make of the order, but they don't tell us what and when. So that's like what you're talking about is like, I'll, we'll just yesterday, even we had like, I don't know, 500 hides show up of just some random natural color. And, uh, it was like, oh, sweet. We can make, you know, 7,000 of this thing now. Um, and so like, that's, uh, our production manager for the leather goods handles the receiving of the leather, but it's kind of, uh, a crazy, interaction with him when it's uh oh we have a ton of this leather now you can uh you can scale this skew to the moon like as much as you want just push it as hard as you want and so now it's like okay well let me look at my existing setup and like i'm gonna launch them i gotta you know go downstairs to the little photo cave shoot some new content get some new ads rolling um all that stuff um but it makes it challenging for also running out because we'll run out of something and it's like, Oh no, kill this skew in ads. Or I'll have like an email promo planned and it's like, Nope, can't push that one. We're out of it. So then I have to switch gears. So there, it does kind of get crazy that way, but um, it's kind of part of the, part of the gig with leather and, and using really high quality. Like we won't budge on the quality. So yeah. that's just the, the constraints that we're limited to on the production side. And then it's just a matter of trying to process that out on our side. So it's like when we get leather in and we can push a skew or whatever, how do we communicate that? And then what's our plan? What's my plan on the marketing side to get all the content and all that stuff. So it's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting and probably not. Uh, I'm sure some brands and brand owners can relate to that of how they get their product and resources, but that's pretty nuts to just be like, oh, I guess I'm pushing this product now. Uh, well, and eventually the long-term plan is to not have so much like blowing it up and then running out. Like obviously our, our long-term goal would be to get ordering, scheduling, dialed more obviously, and then also marketing alignment with that to have more of an even um, sales flow across time and be ahead in our lead times so yeah. like because i'd rather i'd rather uh like some brands would rather just blow that out and run out every time i personally don't because i'm worried about profitability more so mm -hmm. i want to get a sustainable amount of sales that we could just keep running forever essentially and then work to slowly incrementally increase that um volume at the same or better profitability so that's, you know, that would be two different kind of prioritization depending on what you want to do with your brand. So right. that's where we stand anyway. Cool. Yeah. So full grain leather, you said you won't budge on quality. And so 
you mentioned that's a constraint, but also it can be a constraint in a good way. That could be a differentiator. That could be, you, you know, that's why we're separate from the drop ship thing from out of the country. Like, nope, we're handcrafting it here. Check out our live stream. And then, oh, check out the person picking and packing it. We're like right here, um, you know. So um, I just wonder if you're able to kind of like use that more or like highlight that more in the future of that, you know, that, can, that is a constraint for you. But like, cool, hey, we just got this new batching of leather. I don't know how forward or public you want to be with that with your customers, though, of like, this is what we're making this month. Like, so you can expect these SKUs. Is it, have you, have you done that in the past or is it more like it's not that transparent? Well, uh, we usually can get things out pretty Like there's only been a couple of times where a leather is fully out for a long period of time. Um, we've done a decent job, like we'll run out, but it'll be like, uh, we'll kind of see it coming and be able to taper our, and like taper the sales on my side, but also, um, change production. Like we can, you know, if we're running out of a leather, we'll stop making bags out of it because bags take up the most amount and we'll start making, we'll just like backfill wallets and watch bands, which we can, you know, crank out tons if we have a whole hide. So there's some of that that we can do to kind of adjust on the fly, but in terms of content, um, we have like, we do a little bit of that kind of behind the scenes vibes on Insta, but obviously that's being throttled more and more every year. And I think it's definitely your ideas of doing more, um, live and, um, kind of, uh, just more social specific, less curated, like this is what's happening here, leaning into that uniqueness of the brand that we make everything is definitely the move and that's like that's that's the direction of the content that we're trying to take and become more clear is is the material obviously is the highest quality you can get but then also like the point of range and like the brand ethos is that the work is done the old school way that will last forever like we have a straight up forever guarantee it's not, yeah. it's not like disposable. It's like, no, like, and that could also be another idea is that we've tossed around is, um, highlighting more people that send their stuff back to be like, like someone will have a wallet for like five years, one of ours, and they'll, they'll have like a stitch get messed up in some crazy accident or whatever, and they'll send it back and we'll restitch it. And it's crazy to see like the patina on it and like the, the wear and like this person's specific use on it. And I think there's more of that story to be told too, just with, cause like, that's the point, like you're buying, it's not just some other product that you're, you're buying. Cause it's like cool. And everybody else has one. It's like, I want this wallet. I want it to last forever. In fact, I want it to last. So when I die, I hand this off to my son and then he has it till he dies. Like that's the, almost the, like the expectation that we want for the products which is clearly like we need to push harder on that and figure out, you know, ways to communicate that better, which can be everything from formal brand speak like that on the site to informal TikToks about the, yeah. the you know, specific steps of each thing. So I think all yeah. of that is, is great. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's not even, yeah. 
oh yeah, come back and buy another wallet. It's like, no, we don't want you to buy another wallet for yourself. Like we want this one to last forever. Come, come give a gift to someone else. Cause you, you don't need two wallets yourself. Buy another one for your friends, your family. You yeah. Know, I like mean, that, that's so. been, that's been a challenge from the re- return customer rate. Like yeah. you'd expect it because it's, People buy something and they never come back to buy that because <laughs> it lasts forever. So yep. it's for us, like the return customer rate, I will say with the exception of hats, people that have hats have a million hats. I don't wear hats, but <laughs> okay. who, like those that have hats have a ton of hats. So those, those repeat are great. Um, but leather goods, it's a matter of like continuing to develop products that, um, can dip into other categories of their life. Um, and we have people like going back to the retail thing, like we have people come in that literally have one of every product that we've made. Like we have quite a few of those people. And when we come out with new products, they buy one of each all like they have every single one. So it's, it's leaning. That's another kind of, um, challenge, but USB, it's like that same kind of thing where it's like, it does, it's tough because repeat purchase rate is, is huge for numbers and marketing. Right. But at the same time, we're kind of like, well, I mean, it's good that people don't have to come back and, and buy this again. Like, right. so it's just a matter of getting them to buy something else that will add value to their life in some other way. So super interesting. That's great. Yeah, no, it is. And so this, the second point from uh, the previous uh answer you had was you got these three buckets you have website marketing and ops uh right yeah <laughs> I think that was right. okay yeah. cool i was like yep. that, i'm pretty sure okay um for now so you have these three, yeah. for now for now for now that's the three main buckets and you like you try to like to have one kind of pro main project in each one so you can bounce around and you mentioned about um leverage and highest priority so it, it like that makes sense and i get that and i think a lot of people say that but tim like how do, how do you identify and compare and contrast like efficiency or volume of leverage or like quality of leverage like there's only things you can do but how then do you decide like oh i have these 10 ideas or 10 projects um this one they all move the needle but this one moves the needle a little bit. This one is like a, it'll move the needle the most, but it'll take four months. How do you start to actually then go a little bit deeper into it rather than just saying, oh yeah, biggest, highest leverage. Like let's, yeah, I want yeah, to have a magnifying scope, uh, magnifying scope a little bit into this. Yeah, no, no, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say the, the easy beginning answer is like, there's, there's always those tasks that have actual deadlines. So those get obviously prioritized first. So it's like, get the things that like, if we're have, we have a, a podcast sponsorship that needs a script that's due this day, like that's first, or like, I need a weekly email for this week, which is like, I wish I was uh, planned out for three months. I'm not, I'm usually just like, Hmm, I need an email this week. I guess I'll come up with something. <laughs> yep, yep. So like stuff like that is like, gotta do it, you know? So but when it comes to projects kind of that back half of my day that I talked about, I've been using um, a, a decision-making system, I guess. It's called ICE. I think there's this uh, version called RICE. Too. I don't know what the R would be. But ICE is impact, confidence, effort. 
So how I do it, so I have a Notion database, right? With all my projects. And then I've got like by status and then by category, like bucket. And then I have sub buckets to keep myself organized. And then I have the rice score. So it's like I have, I do between one and three, like it's a one, two or three score. And for each project that I, I make a new project and then I assign so then I go like impact, how much impact on the business, like bottom line, does this have one, two, or three, three being like the most impact, one being the least impact. And then confidence, how, how confident am I that I could actually do this? And then like, at least that's how I interpret it. One, two, or three, like three, I got this in the bag. I can do it with my eyes closed. One is like, I've never done this before. I don't even know where to start, but whatever, we're going to try it. And then, you know, two, somewhere in the middle. And then effort is, I, I measure that via like, how long will this take? So one, a one would be um, a super long time. And then a three would be like super quick, can get it done in 10 minutes kind of a thing. And so I do, I have those three and then it just totals them up to get a score. And so the highest, like we, we put all the positive attributes, the threes and all the negative yep. attributes at the ones. So the higher the score, the more priority it is. And then I have it just sort, um, by that. And I, so then I have like one of each of those, I kind of go to the buckets column and, and pick the highest one of each of those, set it to active. And then, then I can just keep checking in and go like, Oh, what am I supposed to work on? Oh yeah. That thing. Okay. Here we go. And that's how Tim. I've been doing it. I will cancel my consulting invoice if you send me this <laughs> ICE template. Uh, oh, that's man. I know. Amazing. I need to get this out. It's... No, it's so good. <laughs> like, dude, that's holy shit. Like, that's really good. Uh, I hadn't heard about that specific ICE before, but as um, my last first six weeks as a head of growth, at the mattress at Stumptown, like I've been like, okay, there's, there's levers and buttons. Like there's big things you got to start pulling and take time. And there's the stuff you got to do every day. So like, I'm trying to like, think about it. Like you do with your morning tasks, your reoccurring stuff, and then project-based stuff in the afternoon. But I've, I've been struggling with like, okay, cool. Uh, is this the highest lever I can pull right now? Uh, do we have enough resources to keep pulling it? <laughs> Do we need someone else besides mm -hmm. me? Is it, do we know it's going to work or is it like a, do we test it? So uh, I really appreciate you uh, explaining ice in that system. And I'm glad I, I pushed you and, and magnified <laughs> in on that a little bit. Cause that was really good, man. Uh, yeah, no. And the interesting thing too with it is that for, cause there's a way that you could add complexity, which is like be, add a weighted average. If you want to get real nerdy, I yeah. have them all even so what what's interesting is like they're the time specifically i think is interesting like the project time is always interesting to me where there's like uh you a lot of times a the the quick tasks will come up higher because i sort them like time three super fast and confidence usually is a, is related three i know what i'm doing so i have like I end up sorting through, like I crank through like four little tasks in the first hour of that back half of that day. And then a big project and then it like funnels down to the big one. And then it's like, oh yeah, that one. And then I start working on that and it takes the rest of the day and I don't finish. So it's just, it's kind of an interesting flow and there's ways to adjust that based on what you want to be doing. But I just find it's an interesting pattern that I've noticed 
that I didn't expect because I I didn't have any expectation going in, but it seems to be working because then I get, you know, four little things done, build momentum, build energy, roll into the big thing, like all cylinders firing, feeling good, and then see see where that lands. So yeah. yeah. And then chip chip away at that big one. Oh man, that's really good. I think confidence can also how I interpret it as you were saying it initially was like confidence of the impact uh, that mm. it will have and confidence of the effort required if it's actually worth it. I like your I like your version too. Confidence of yeah, if I can do it or not, but I think that's a I think that might be another yeah because the way I described it, you could potentially uh, wrap that into time. If it's like I don't know how to do this, it's going to take more time. Uh, but yeah, that effort, yeah, effort and time that might make yeah. sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's cool, man. I ice uh, that's impact, confidence, and effort. So. That's really good. Uh, I got excited about that. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to um, start moving towards the end here. We're going to start landing the plane. And so we got a we got a question from the good old bird app at Susan Edub. Uh, she asks, as a fellow maker, I would love to know what is the first thing Tim was excited to outsource? So you've been doing a bunch yourself. You've been all over the place. What's what was what was that first thing that got you excited to outsource? Yeah. Well, first of all, Susan's great. I love her content. I love the the can- candles. I would say candles, but it's candles. Can't can't candles. Yeah. She'll, she'll have to correct our pronunciation of her brand name. But well, I just love watching that happen. Um, so fun to watch that business grow. Yeah. Um, she's great. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'll answer for range because like we're coming in like halfway into range like range is developed past like just one person making one thing like we're a team and stuff so like for me i'll answer for the future the next thing that i'm looking to outsource uh i kind of have two it's not really answering the question very well but it's like i'm i need a someone um to manage i'm we're calling it brand experience which is like uh a customer experience but with extra stuff um just to help me with some of the shipping stuff with some of the wholesale stuff like there's a lot of things taking my time that's taken away from my ability to think strategy and long term and high level so that would be something and then i'm also trying to build my marketing team which would be directly under me and uh, i have like an idea of what i want but we'll see it kind of depends on who the people are and what they can do um just in both of those, the thesis is like, I need to be spending more time doing decision-making strategy and less time executing, like actually that's doing right. the button pushing. So that's kind of the, that's how I would answer that. But for, for Susan, it's like the, cause she's like making everything I think and fulfilling. And, um, I know Kyle, when he first started the, um, he, he did like a half and half, I believe. So he brought in one employee and half of their time was production and half of their time was shipping. So that's like taking the two things that take the time and splitting it. Or I would say like whichever one is more you're better at slash you like better. Like if it's like making the actual product is the fun part of it, outsource the shipping. Get someone to come in to your house for three hours a day and pack boxes and whatever. And and they would love it because yeah. it's super, it's not working at McDonald's. and get to hang out at the house and ship 
stuff and then that can grow into anything else. But I think that's the, I was just talking to some other folks about it, like making a list of what you like and don't like, and then outsource what you don't like. And like, just that's fine, you know, and then yeah. you're going to be happier. Stuff's going to get done and it's great. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be my, my advice there. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, I love the nuance and context and I'm curious about what that, um, following up on the two, you said there's two, essentially one brand experience, customer experience, more on the offside, and then one as a, a marketing person on under you, like which one would help you with your ice components? Like which one would help you think on the higher impact ones or the bigger picture, longer term, where it fits your skill set and interest more? Like yeah. which one would help you? Yeah, yeah. For me, the bigger lift would come from getting the brand experience person. Um because uh, on the marketing side, my plan in the in the short term is to have have a marketing team of executors um, to some level. But I I would if I have to execute in one of those categories, I'm better suited for the marketing side just because of my career, my experience, and interests. Um, and so if I can get someone who's dialed on like even like in something you know I, I'm thinking of someone who wouldn't even be. Uh, necessarily in d2c it's like you've run you've run a you've been a target store manager for five years like that's that would be perfect for this like you can run a team you know customer experience customer service like you're you've been at somewhere for a long period of time you know the brand like there's there's a lot of value there um that and it's not like a d2c person you know which is like whoa can we even do that? I don't know. Is that so, allowed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that would that would take some off my plate, and then I can spend more deep deep work time on all my ice projects myself, and then figuring out how to outsource the button pushing of those projects to my marketing team. Is kind of how I view it. Yeah, no, I love that. That's super interesting. I love how you thought about that, um, and that you have. <laughs> we're allowed to go outside D to C. You have retail. You have D to C. You have wholesale. You, you mentioned in there. Um, so there's a few different channels there. So really, it would be really interesting. So Susan, hope that helps. Uh, appreciate the question. Tim, we're about to land. The landing gear is out. Where uh, trade, trade tables are in their upright and locked position. Is there anything on the top of your mind that I didn't ask that either that's timely because it's almost BFCM. It's You've been in this role for a while. Discourse on the Bird app. Anything you want to you want to mention before we land? Oh man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an open book. DM me on Twitter for sure. Anytime. Um, yeah, I, I mean, closing thoughts wise, there's the only, I guess the only thing that comes to mind is, uh, every brand is so nuanced. Like you just, you gotta, you can like, I love Twitter and all the ideas on Twitter and all the thoughts and all the craziness, all the spicy takes, Yes. But it's it's just all like for me how I view it is like oh that's an interesting thought and I add it to my my ice list you know what I mean and so it's like oh, I'm gonna revisit that tweet in a little bit and see if that's relevant for me um, or bookmark it or something but like your your brand is different from every other brand the nuances of it and I think just getting really comfortable with that is where to start and then you can 
you can take you test things out and but nothing's gonna be across the board work you know and that's totally fine yes. and then yep. lean into what works for you that's the you don't have to be doing cost caps like everybody is right now i haven't touched cost caps since 2014 <laughs> and it's fine and we're hitting great mer what? and i'm happy what? yeah amazing right <laughs> so it's like no. just do what works for you you know and that's okay yeah. and then if you need ideas go and talk to people and get some ideas add to your list and chip away at it so and I think that's yeah no saying. that's that's really good i'm actually glad you said that over anything else you could have said uh i'm, I'm big on that especially lately um it gets more and more this is the way how to do it. This is, if you're not doing this, you're stupid. You're going to go out of business. <laughs> and then it's like, or someone's like, oh, this brand I have no experience of, but spent an hour looking at their site. I'm going to tell their founder how I would like 10 X their entire business. It's like, yep. I'm going to rebrand Coke and they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So it's um no, that was an excellent point of, Take in, filter it, think about it. Don't just try, don't sit on Twitter. Don't use Twitter as your ice list. You'll be going <laughs> yeah. around like a chicken Oof. with a head cut off. <laughs> like you'll be going so many different directions, so much contradiction. So anyway, that was a great way to end. And then you uh, said so DM you on Twitter. That's at Tim underscore Aiton, A-T-O-N. That'll be in the mm-hmm. show notes. You'll get tagged on the posts when the episode's live. All the also, fun uh... clips. Range, if you want to buy something from Range, 15% off Tim's friend, code Tim's friend, no apostrophe, T-I-M-S, friend, 15 off. 15% off You want some leather stuff? Yeah. Range, and that's rangeleather.com? Rangeleather.com, yep. Tim's friend. Now, I have to ask, Is you have to disclose it. Are you getting a kickback from that? (laughs) No. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's my brand. I don't know. I guess... (laughs) I get paid the same. I don't get any bonuses from you using that code. I just, I, to be honest, I was like, I should offer a code. And I just went into Shopify and made myself a code. And like love Tim's it. friend. Sure. Here we go. Tim's friend. So no, no, I love it. I was just kind of memeing because there's been a lot of non-disclosure and people upset about. Yeah. Ad Everybody's and newsletter has crazy affiliates that we that all should have known, mention. but then like didn't think about. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just beaming about that. Nah, but, I'm just uh, here yeah. here for the fun. Just, <laughs> I mean, we're going to have some crazy deals for BFCM, so you might even find better okay. ones, like depending on what time of year you're looking at, but just wanted to okay. throw that in there too. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Really uh, enjoyed your time and thoughts and jamming with you. Heck yeah. Uh, everyone fun. else, thanks. Yeah, everyone else, thanks for listening. Smash that like, subscribe, leave a review. Do all those fun things it really helps me as a uh, to keep growing this stuff. So appreciate it, and we'll catch you on the next episode. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I love being able to do this, continue to learn, and meet people in this industry. Every rating, review, and episode you share with a friend means so much to me. As I'm bootstrapping this show as part of my media brand, High Key Geek. If you haven't checked out my other show, Brand Builders, you should. It's with myself and Tom Brown and Richie Mashiko. Two times a week, we talk in a much more casual setting and we think out loud, we brainstorm, and we share our lessons as we continue to operate and run businesses in the DTC space today. We're not, we didn't exit. We didn't just consult and advise now. And we don't, we're in the trenches as we, like every day still. So we're learning in real time and sharing it with you as we go. 
That's Brand Builders on High Key Geek YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Catch you next time.